Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and, and this really isn't a part of the message, it's just something the Lord laid on my heart that I wanted to start uh, today with. And So Matthew chapter 7, and then uh, find 2 Corinthians 11. I just want to share a verse with you, and uh, something I want all of us to be aware of, and then I'll, I'll preach the message. Uh, Matthew 7 and verse 15, it says this, Because of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, ravenous wolves now turn over to 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 and I'm going to read verse 14 and it says 2nd Corinthians 11 and verse 14 and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light and then in verse 15 so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness their end will, or will correspond to their deeds. You know, I open, man, you know, that, thanks for bringing that up on Thanksgiving week, right? Um, I open with those two verses just to let you know the enemy is at work in our country. The enemy is, um, wants nothing more than for us to not live out the calling of God in our life. And the reality is this, that many times you are going to find people in what, for lack of a better term, I'll call religious positions or positions of leadership who really aren't speaking the word of God. And Jesus himself told us what they're uh, doing in uh, Matthew chapter 7. And then uh, Paul spoke about it there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And the reality is this, that um, all of us have the danger of one day waking up and all of a sudden you find yourself planted in a spiritual desert, not hearing what God is saying to you and questioning how you got there. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I'll bet all of us have been through that season of life where we know God's calling on our life, yet we wake up one morning and we find out that we wonder, is there a calling? Is God done with me? Why, do not, why isn't it like it was last month or last year or, or seven years ago? And so today I want to share with you some warning signs because I don't believe that even though we wake up and we wonder how we got there, I think all along the way there were signs you passed on the road. And it said danger. It said turn off here. Don't go down this way. Uh, one of the, the scariest times I had in my uh, young life, um, uh, I, I don't like roller coasters. And matter of fact, up to that point in my life, the highlight of roller coasters was I rode the Scooby-Doo. Okay, the Scooby-Doo maybe went an elevation of 20 feet. And then, I mean, and, and, the, and the whole time I had my uh, head buried in the lap of uh, one of my aunts. Well, a few years later, I find myself in Germany. And um, 
my uh, family took us to one of the theme parks over in Germany, and I was like 10 years old, so I was at that age where I, I wanted some freedom, and, and so, you know, mom and dad said, okay, you could take off, but you need to be back here, we're going to meet at the food place at 12 o'clock, so I took off, you know, like any young 10-year-old would. And so um, I saw that there was two roller coasters, and one was like the Scooby-Doo, and one was, I don't know where it went, it, it, it looked like it was going up into the clouds. And so I got into a line into what I thought was the Scooby-Doo line. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting um, in a cart, I was in the last cart. I'm by myself, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm so proud, I'm about to ride the Scooby-Doo. And then um, it takes off, and it just starts going click, 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 click. And when it did that, and I realized there's the Scooby-Doo, I started screaming. The couple in front of me, like, you know, they're trying to get the person who controls it, stop this thing, this kid's about to jump out. Well, before I could jump out, because I wanted to, it went over the hill and down and around and did a lot of things that I don't remember what it did. I was screaming the whole time. (laughs) And what's interesting was that I felt betrayed as a 10-year-old that there weren't any signs telling me I was not on the Scooby-Doo. Well, when I got down there and I went back and I looked, there were signs. I just didn't read them. I didn't pay any attention to them. It said this way for Scooby-Doo. It wasn't called Scooby-Doo. It was a German word for Scooby-Doo. And this way for the adults-only ride. And I didn't pay attention to that, and I went on. Matter of fact, it was funny. As it started uh, going up the hill, there was like an animated voice, and it said, Turn back. (laughs) And I'm like, if I could, I would. Well, you know, I'll bet that many of our Christian walks are just like young Ronnie Tabor over in Germany and you got in the wrong line and you don't realize it. Don't beat yourself up. You're not the only person to ever have done this. Today I'm going to share with you three different people in the Bible who God gave some very clear warning signs and they didn't listen to them. And so one of the lessons I learned growing up was that you could learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from the mistakes of others. And so today I'm going to share with you from God's word three people who made big mistakes. And hopefully we will learn, we'll see the warning signs that are happening in our own lives. The first guy that I want to tell you about is the name of Balaam. Balaam was a prophet. Balaam was a very successful person. Um, If you turn in your Bibles to Numbers 22, I'm just going to read a couple verses there for you. But Balaam was a prophet, and um, this was about the time where the Israelites are starting to go and starting to conquer. And so one of the um, kings that felt like his country was in line next for Israel to come and whoop up on them, uh, he called Balaam and he said, look, I need you to come curse the Israelites. And so let me just kind of share with you God's story of that. So Numbers 22, and I'm going to read verses 22 and 23, and it says, But God's anger was kindled because he went. He's talking about Balaam. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. 
And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Now, there's a whole lot of story happening before this verse 22. Let me just kind of bring you up to speed on this. So Balak was the king, and, and he had sent his emissaries to go to Balaam and, and offered him a lot of money and said, look, I need you to come curse the Israelites. And Balaam said, let me pray on it. Balaam prayed on it. God said, don't you dare go. And so Balaam told him, I can't go. God said, no. So a couple weeks later, maybe a couple months later, uh, Balak sends more important people with more money to uh, Balaam and Balaam already has been told by God don't do it but he says you know what won't you guys sleep here tonight and I'm going to check with God one more time and see if he's changed his mind and what's interesting is that God told him go but say what I tell you to say so why is it that God said but God's anger was kindled because he went here's why God knew Balaam's heart and if you read in verse 24 and 25, so he's already struck the donkey. Now, when we picture this, you, all you picture is Balaam on a donkey and his two servants. But really, there's this entourage. There's this entire group of people from um, Balak, uh, and, and they're following, and he's at the very uh, head of this procession. And so his donkey takes off into the field, and he has no control over it. And so literally, he gets off the donkey and takes a stick and starts just whacking the donkey. All right, and then so finally he gets the donkey back into the, the road. Everybody's watching what's going on. Balaam is embarrassed. He's wondering, what in the world? This donkey's never done this to me. So let's start reading verse 24. And then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he struck the donkey with his staff. And then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now that's weird enough that the, the donkey is talking to you. Uh, it gets weirder. Verse 30. I'm sorry, in verse 29. And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me. Did he make a fool of him in front of those two uh, servants of his? No, he made a fool of him in front of the emissaries coming from uh, Balak. And, and this is probably 50 people that are there watching him get embarrassed by this donkey. And he's having now a conversation with the donkey. Theologians will argue about this or, you know, did everybody hear the donkey speak? Or did, you know, they hear, ee-haw, ee-haw. And just Balaam was understanding what the donkey was saying. Now, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, the bottom line is it's not that important. But here Balaam is having the conversation. And Balaam said to the donkey, because you made a fool of me, I wish a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. That sounds like a man of God, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. I know. Verse 30, and the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life to this day? 
is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell to his face. Listen to this, folks. Verse 32, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. He had not turned aside from me. Surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Verse 34, Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with him, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went out with the princes of Balak. Now if you go back to verse 18, and and I won't read it to you, but what happens there is they come to him the second time, and, and Balaam says, you could give me all of the gold and silver in the house of Balak, and, and I can't do this because God has told me no. But yet, in his heart, he was willing to be sold out. And so if you look at the life of Balaam, you'll see that his problem was this, rebellion. God told him very specifically what he was supposed to not do, and yet he wanted to do it. He wanted to do it for the gold and for the silver. Balaam sold himself out. This is a man of God. This is someone who's been very successful in what they've done. This is somebody who heard directly from God. And yet, he rebelled. He sold himself out. And the bottom line is God knew his heart. And the reality is this, that you can learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from Balaam's mistakes. And I bet there are many here today that God has been very clear and he has given you the path that you're supposed to take. He has made that way straight. And yet today you find yourself heading in a different direction. And and you may not actually have a donkey talk to you. But maybe you consider one up here is talking to you right now. Maybe you don't consider me the donkey that's warning you. Maybe it was somebody in your life that God has brought, and they're telling you, you're asking, hey, should I be doing this? And they've told you the same thing that God told you, and yet you want to go and get somebody else's opinion. Why? Because, you know, I quit, stop. And so you go to somebody else, and what you find out is everybody's telling you the very same thing that God told you already. And we have a choice. Will we listen to the message that God has given us, or will we listen to our heart? I want you to read those words again where it says that if the donkey hadn't done what it had done, I would have killed you. Church, I believe that someone here this morning is heading in the wrong direction. You know it. Your heart tells you it. Your head tells you it. And you're having these weird encounters. And it doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, you feel like you're talking to a donkey. And only if you learn from Balaam and you repent and you tell God, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I've sinned greatly, will you be able to get back on that mission that God has called you to? Well, you know, Balaam wasn't the only person. If you turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13, 
There's another guy there. His name is Lot. And Lot received some warning signs as well. In Genesis chapter 13, I'm going to read in verse 10 through verse 13. It says this. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was very well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they were separated from each other. And this is talking about Lot and Abraham. In verse 12, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Listen to this in verse 13. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Here is Lot. He's presented um, a opportunity. And Abram says, look, you pick one side and I'll pick the other because our herds are getting too big. Our, uh, our men are starting to fight amongst themselves. Our, we don't need this in our family. So Abraham said, you pick which way you want to go and then I'll take the other half. And it's interesting that Lot picked the things that were appealing to the eyes. And so he saw the plush valleys. He saw the nice rivers. He saw the fruit trees. He saw the plains that had lots of, of feed for his herds. And he said, that's, that's exactly what I want. And yet, you know what he also saw? He saw a city called Sodom. Now, let me tell you this, that Lot knew exactly what verse 13 said, and that was, the men of Sodom were wicked. And yet, what did he do? He moved his tent close to Sodom. You know, here's a lesson that we can learn from Lot. That we have choices. That God probably, as plainly as he did with Abraham and Lot, he gives you the opportunity. Choose all on the left or choose all on the right. And we start looking and we go, ooh, you know what? That job over there looks really good. Boy, you know what? I'd, I'd like to find out what it's like to make $150,000 a year. I'd love, you know, to have all of, man, look at all of the, the river. Mm, my life would be pretty good. And, and he did give me this choice. And we do exactly like I did at that amusement park. I see the sign, and I don't read it. I see the next sign, and I ignore it. And the next thing you know, your tent is near Sodom. You see, the problem is that when we pitch our tent towards Sodom, it doesn't stop there. Because all of a sudden, if you fast forward, Lot became one of the leaders in the city. He sat in the gate. He was someone who they came to and they put him into a position of leadership. When it's all said and done, when you look at Lot's life, he lost his wife and he lost his daughters. Why? Because he made a decision to get close to these wicked men. Now, folks, I know the Bible tells us that we need to be salt and light. I don't, I don't think there's any conflict there. But there's a difference between being salt and light and being corrupted by a community. It's easy for us to say, you know what, I'm not getting anywhere near Sodom. 
Or it's easy for us to say, you know what, I'm going to put my tent right here because, you know, God's called me to these people. And here's what you need to understand, and here's what you need to hear very clearly. This is the lesson that you learn from Lot. Because Lot, if you look at him, you'll see that he had a problem, and his problem was this. He was confused. Here's why he was confused. Now, I'm using it in today's terminology. Lot basically had one foot in the church, and he had one foot in the world. He tried to do everything possible, but yet he also wanted it to appear like he was holier than thou. And in reality, when God said, I won't destroy this city if there's but two or one righteous man, they couldn't even find that. And yet God in his grace gave Lot an opportunity to save his family. And instead of saving his family, he lost them. Why do you think Lot's wife turned back and looked at the city? She liked it. That's right. Those were friends. That was a lifestyle that she was going to miss. And then a couple days later, what do the daughters, they tell themselves that there's no one else alive. We've got to save the human race. So they get their father drunk and they have an incestuous relationship with him. Now, if you would have asked Lot, do you think that that would ever happen? Lot would tell you, no way. My daughters would never, ever do something like that. But I bet you, if you ask Lot, would you ever offer up your daughters to the men of the city so that they would leave the angels alone? He'd tell you he'd never do something like that. The lesson that we need to learn from Lot is this, is that when we make those decisions, it doesn't just affect us. It affects those around us. It affects our family. It affects our friends. There are people who will not make it to heaven because you lost your testimony. Because they were looking at you. You were the only Bible that they've ever read. This is a heavy cross that we're supposed to bear. Well, if it's not Balaam, if it's not Lot, let me share with you one other person that encountered Jesus Christ. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 19. The Bible calls him the rich young ruler. Let me just read this encounter with Jesus. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these have I, I have kept. What do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, the rich young ruler, his problem was he was living a life and it was unfulfilled. And the reason why he was living a life that was unfulfilled was this, that he had confused a head knowledge with a heart knowledge with Jesus Christ. You know, it is so easy for us as Christians to get the head knowledge, to, to open up our Bible, to memorize Scripture. For the last six weeks, I pounded this in, you know, that we were going to love the Word, we were going to learn the word, but most importantly, we needed to live the word. 
And the problem is, when we don't let God's word get into our heart, it's hard for us to sustain living God's word. And all of us will reach that point in our life where we feel unfulfilled. Where we think that there's something greater that we need to be doing. And I believe that there is. God has a purpose on every one of you sitting here today. God has a purpose on everyone who weren't able to make it this morning. But it's not enough that God has a purpose. God needs us to live out that purpose. And so what happens, instead we encounter Jesus... And when we ask, what more must I do? Because that's what the rich young ruler was looking for. He was looking for what deed? What, what can I, I, I need to check off the box. If he was checking off the box, Jesus said, don't murder. Check, I haven't done that. Jesus, he said, well, don't commit adultery. Yep, didn't do that. Love your neighbors. Up, oh, check, I've done that. I've done everything. What possibly more is there for me? This was a very self-righteous young man. And then Jesus spoke words that crushed him. He said, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Now you may ask the question, well, does that mean God wants us all to do that? I mean, there are some religions that, that kind of built themselves around something like that. If God calls you to do that, absolutely, that's what you better do. But when we look at Balaam, when we look at Lot... When do we look at the rich young ruler? Don't look at the outward deeds. Don't look at the way they were carrying themselves. Look at their heart. Because that's what's most important. Because every one of them outward had it going on. Balaam, prophet of God. Lot, he was chosen. He was Abraham's, uh, one of his, and his descendants. And, and he was protected by what God's blessings were upon Abraham. And here is this rich young ruler who lived out God's word as best he possibly could. And yet we find out that when God asked him for one more thing, it was the one thing he wasn't willing to give up. And it wasn't because of his money, it was because of his heart about the money. If you turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read one verse to you and it says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I don't know that there's anyone in here this morning that doesn't want the great gain. I do. I want to be successful. I want God to bless my life. Balaam did. He wanted God to bless his life. Lot did. The rich young ruler came to Jesus with that very thing. I don't believe that any of us sitting here today are any different than any of those three men. But remember, we can learn from our mistakes or we can learn from other people's mistakes. If you continue to read in 1 Timothy in chapter 6, you'll come across a verse, very famous. Matter of fact, most of you will finish this. The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, and we quote that, especially when we don't have money, we quote that. Yep, see, love of money, root all you. That's why God hasn't given me any money. Matter of fact, there's a saying that says, you know, money won't make you happy. And, and I'm one of those, I, I like to find out. I'm willing to try uh, to, to put this hypothesis to the test. 
But the, yeah, that's right. I'll be the guinea. I'll be the donkey, the guinea pig. I'll be whatever it takes. See, the problem isn't money. The problem is our heart's value of the money. Folks, um, some of the best men I know that love the Lord, God has blessed them incredibly. See, it, it's not about the money. I don't know if you realize this, but Abraham was a rich guy. He was so rich, he could tell his nephew, you take one whole side and do whatever you want, I'm going to go over here and build. The reality is this, friends. It's our heart. And let me just ask you this question. Where is your heart? Because that's what matters. It doesn't matter that you have the title pastor. It doesn't matter that you've been in church for 55 years. It doesn't matter that you are a teacher, you are a deacon, you are you up here and you're part of the worship team. None of those things matter if our heart's not right. If we go back to 2 Corinthians and what Paul said, he says, their deeds will reveal who they are. And church, one day, one day, all of our deeds are going to be revealed. See, today, I can't see your heart. Honestly, you probably can't see mine. But the truth of the matter is this, that one day God will reveal it. God will reveal to me, did I show up because of a paycheck or did I show up because I had a love for the people of Centralia? One day, God is going to reveal to you each of the actions that you've taken in his name in his name, did you do it because you really love me or did you do it because that was a way to get ahead? If everyone would, just go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. It's time to take inventory. Maybe as I shared these very brief words to you this morning, and you think about the life of Balaam and you realize that, you know what, you're right, Ronnie. I am living a life in rebellion. Nobody knows it. I look like I'm doing the right thing, but my heart isn't there. Or maybe you find yourself like Lot and you found yourself that you just got enamored with things that are wrong, that, that God calls wicked, and you got too close. And now the destruction of God is coming and you are going to be impacted on that if you don't do something very quickly. Maybe you're like the rich young ruler. God has blessed you. You have lived a good life. You have been faithful. You've been busy in church. But the truth of the matter is this. That the real things that you value, the things that you hold on to the tightest, you would never give up for God. Folks, if one of those resonated with you, I'd love to pray for you. I just ask you very quickly, raise your hand, allow me, and then bring it right back down. But do you resonate with any of those three men? Lord, you've seen the hands, God, you've seen the hearts. God, I just ask that you would allow us to heed the warning signs, God. It's not a roller coaster that's going to end in 90 seconds. God, this is eternity. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would just drive home that point to each of us. God, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, we are counting on you and your work to be done.
God, we want to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would stand, Gary's going to lead us in song. Now's the time. God's been speaking to you for the last few moments. Now's the time for you to speak back to God. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.